Blog Talk Radio. We've got to be the body to rock it like we're never gonna see it again We are exploding, the world is gonna know it We'll rock it like you're never gonna see us again Come on over Come on over Good evening everyone, it is 11pm straight up And Pure Gold is once again live on the air for this November 13th 2020, which has been the craziest year in my life. I don't know about yours, but my name is JB. This is the DG. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, sir. Can you hear me, sir? Can you hear me? I can finally hear you, yes. <laughs> yeah. We've had, as always, it wouldn't be pure gold if we did not have technical difficulties, sir. Sure. You want to give out the fake call-out information before we have this conversation? Uh, uh, not really. No one's going to call us, really. so what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> So true. Who cares? So, true. <laughs> so, sir, it's been a while since we've been on the air. It's been, what, almost uh, 13 months, 14 months? What do you think? Do you remember the last time that we were on the air? Uh, I'm going to guess like February of 2019. It was actually, you're close, April of 2019, and it has been exactly, sir, exactly 18 months, almost to the day that we did an episode of Pure Gold. Now, interestingly enough, um, we only did one episode in all of 2019. In 2018, I think we did like four or five episodes. We kind of did a monthly thing, and then we just disappeared for almost a year. (laughs) And now here we are back, ironically, on Friday the 13th. Of all the days to come back and do a show, of course, we would have to pick the worst day of the year. Of course. I mean, well, it's been the worst year in general. Forget about oh, the worst. Well, that is you true. Know. Good point. <laughs> so I have one, two, three, four, four major topics and a fifth topic if we have time. But before we get started with these four topics, just about three minutes ago, I was reminded what today ha- what happened today 15 years ago. Do you know what happened today 15 years ago? November 13, 2005? Yeah, I-, I would hope that you would remember this one. Just think. Rack your brain. Uh, I have no idea. I mean, didn't you? I know you didn't get married in November. I know isn't your wedding anniversary in uh, October of two thousand five? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be bringing up uh, my wedding anniversary up here. Well, when I tell you, you're gonna be you're gonna be shocked, I guess. So here it comes. Wait. It was. Wait. Are you uh, talking about? Hold on. Hold on. Are you talking yeah. about the passing of Eddie Guerrero? I am exactly fifteen years to the day. Wow. Uh, for some reason, I thought Eddie passed away in October. But, yeah, I think I had read that somewhere online, and it's very sad. I mean, Eddie, I mean, what can you say as far as all-time greats? Yeah, he was he was a special talent for sure. I mean, I wouldn't put him on that Hogan, you know, flair level, but uh, you want to talk uh, 50 greatest of all time, maybe even, you know, 30 or 40. I mean, he's, he's definitely up there, and I'm not trying to undersell Eddie. I just – there's so many great – there's so many all-time greats in wrestling history that I don't know. I, I mean, can't, where would you, as far as Hispanics, I mean, he definitely, I would say top five. But as far as all-time wrestling, I, I'm not sure where you'd put Eddie, but he's he's up there. He's got to be in the top 50 at least, I would say, right? 
Yeah, I would say so, too. It's hard to rank somebody that was probably in their prime and passed away, unfortunately. But like you said, we said off the air about a month ago, I think you asked me, like, where does Eddie rank in the top, like, of the Hispanic wrestlers? He's probably top three, not even top five. I would say so. I mean, to me, real quick, um, I know the Busted Open had had done their whole, you know, greatest Hispanic wrestlers of all time. I would have to put – Pedro Morales is number one. That's just me because of the amount of success that he had in the WWWWWXYZF. <laughs> I mean, he was the first ever Triple Crown champion. He was the inter. He was obviously the WWE champion, WWF champion. He was the Intercontinental champion, and he was tag team champion. And he held those titles in a time where Hispanics were not as prominent as they like say later on, specifically in the world of WWE. So, I mean, what, what he was able to accomplish me personally, I mean, it's, that's amazing. You know, he had a, he had a great run, but Eddie would, Eddie was, uh, his run in the WWE was short lived. I think he only, he was only there five years when he passed away, but I mean, he was definitely main event caliber and he was up there at the top of the card. So, you know, Eddie is absolutely one of the all time greats. And it, it is a shame that he's gone and he's been gone this long. The crazy thing is when I think of Eddie, Inexplicably, you, I mean, he's yep, intrinsically linked to you know who, yeah. Yeah. Um, he who shall not be named, aka Chris Benoit. And I honestly think, sir, if Eddie were still alive, I think that Chris would still be alive also. And his his wife, uh, Nancy, and their son, Dan, I really firmly believe that, that Eddie, there was such an influence that Eddie had on his life, and they were such good friends. And I think Eddie would have been the type to have talked Chris out of doing anything crazy. And I firmly believe that Chris would have reached out to Eddie in his hour of need. So there, there's just a lot of stuff that, you know, there, honestly, sir. Yeah. Like I said, I didn't want to derail the show on just Eddie. Oh, we already I found did. Out. I mean, it's gone. It's over. <laughs> Six let, minutes and we're already talking about Eddie Guerrero. Listen, let's <laughs> give the call information and just hang up. Let's end this show right now. 
this whole year, our lives, not just our lives, but lives in general have kind of been in a standstill and really haven't been able to do much of anything. And, you know, obviously it's not, not to try to be insensitive to anybody uh, who has, you know, dealt with COVID and the effects of it and losing family members and all that. So I'm not, I'm not going to get into all that today, but honestly, it's been weird because I feel like our lives are frozen. I feel like we haven't been able to do anything. We have not gone anywhere. And it's just kind of like a, this weird standstill, you know, and it's, you hear these things about, Oh, you know, two weeks to, to control the virus. And you and I had conversations because obviously you and I talked off the air on a pretty regular basis. You and I had talked about it, that we should have done like a two week lockdown or maybe a three week lockdown at the beginning to kind of end this, like a total lockdown. Obviously that's, that never happened. And here we are seven months later still dealing with the same thing, and it seems to just be getting worse. And whether you think it's the pandemic or the scamdemic or the pandemic, there's so many different, you know, areas you can kind of attack this thing. But in all honesty, um, it's been weird. It's been a strange year. It seems like it's never ending. And uh, honestly, this, this is what I imagined uh, 2000 would have been. With the Y2K, excuse me, Y2J pandemic that we had back then, or, you know, I mean, obviously you remember that. So this is what I imagine that year would have been. Yeah. I mean, when, when you mention um, the two to three week lockdown, I, I also think that's like it, for, for a country like ours, a free country, um, that it's like a double edged sword, right? How are you going to lock down a country that, you know, has so many freedoms? I think we we take up until this year we probably took for granted all the different freedoms that we have and to listen to our government saying or or, or our doctors more than our our government saying that we need to lock down and we need to like you know stay in our homes for two or three weeks till this virus is contained. Wait, um, is it, yeah. are you talking are you talking the current administration or the quote unquote incoming oncoming administration because. I mean, they've clearly talked about it, and people have said it, like, oh, you know, if I knew that Joe Biden was going to implement a mandatory lockdown, I never would have voted for him, even though it's the one thing old Sleepy Joe or Sloppy Joe or whatever you want to call him has, has been honest about, because whenever he yeah. was asked any sort of questions, he was ham and haw and evaded. Oh, well, I'm not answering that. Well, I'm not answering that. Okay, so what are you answering? But he always said that he was open to it. So his guy who's going to be in charge if, if this whole thing goes through and stays the way that it is now um, he's talking about a four to six week lockdown, which is which to me, honestly, um, you know, I thought that the first lockdown, which wasn't really a lockdown uh, as a country as a whole, they did like in segments. And we out of your homes. Yeah. Oh, Mike, son. All right, Mike. Um, but it, you know, like when they did the lockdown the first time, it was done in segments of the country. It wasn't done in the whole. Nobody in the middle of the field. Could- Back on the air. Um, like I said, if Joe Biden decides to do a lockdown this time, I think that's wait, the no, wait a second. No, wait a second, David. Wait, David. David. First of all, wait a second. Wait, first of all, wait a second. Wait a second, David. For a second, let me. Wait a second. You wait a second. You're like a kid in a candy store. I do have one question for you, though. In all seriousness, what is the point? What is the point? The point is at this point. Is at this point, if you do a lockdown like Biden wants to do, if he is put into office in January, right. I think I think you're going to really kill the economy for the small business at the very least. Oh yeah. 
and you're going to kill restaurants and people that own their small businesses that can't afford to pay their people or can't afford to stay open or stay closed for how many weeks they want to stay closed. I, I really think that you're boring on a depression at this point if you do a lockdown. I agree. I think it's a big problem. I think that there's no easy way to do it, and I think that if that does happen, then we are in trouble because a lot of people have been forced to go out of business, and this is just going to continue that. Now, in your state, the great state of New Jersey, um, Phil, what is his name, Phil Murphy, he's been talking yeah. about, um, you know, doing 10 p.m. curfews at the bars and everything and, you know, outdoor dining, indoor dining. Give us your take on that, if you could. It's it's crazy because, you know, all the people say the same exact thing, is that what happens at 10 p.m. when you lock it down at 10 p.m. is that when the virus actually is comes out at night and attacks the people? Um, oh, yeah. I argue with well, I argue with. Um, well, think about you know, this. The, think about this. I was talking to my dad today, who obviously still lives up there, and I was telling him, you know, the prevailing thought is, okay, so you're going to close at 10, so what you're saying is that you have less time to go out, so people are going to cram in. You're yeah. going to have more people going because they're closing at 10, so you're going to actually – it's going to be the complete opposite effect of what you think it's going to be. And you're going to have more people, not less people out at the same time, which, you know, opens you up to more exposure. Yeah. I mean, I've had arguments with people that do not agree with uh, all my views. And they've said that, you know, you close it down at 10 PM because that's when the super spreaders known as the teenage group or the, you know, the, the young, the young folks go out at night around 10 o'clock at night and they want to keep Wait, those I think people. That makes sense. So, Wait, hold on. How does that make sense that they're the super spreaders if they're the ones least affected by this? Yeah, they're saying that the, the, it seems like, I'm not saying for sure, that they're the asymptomatic people that are spreading the virus to people okay. that are more susceptible. I have, a, I have a problem with the whole asymptomatic thing because we've always known the way the viruses work. All of a sudden, you can't well, – when you shed a virus, when you have the flu, for example, after a couple of days, you're going to show symptoms. What that means is the days before that, the two days before, let's say 48-hour period, you are shedding the, the, the virus. So it, it's kind of it's coming on. How could you spread a virus that you never show any symptoms for? It doesn't even make sense. You know, yep. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. And the fact that the people buy into it, I made a comment to the thing. To me, this is just pure gold, as it were. Um, no pun intended. But so when Trump quote-unquote, lost the election, because obviously nothing is official yet, but with all the recounts and everything going on, when he lost the election, um, there were parties in the streets. Now, those people, for the most part, from what I've seen, they were wearing masks, but they were right on top of each other, a foot away, six inches, no distance whatsoever. So the wearing masks and not social distancing, that is okay. However, when it comes to um, voting in person, you can't vote in person, don't vote in poll. They were, they were discouraging people from voting in person. Okay, and why is that? Because when you're voting in person, you are wearing a mask, you are social distancing, and you're keeping away. You're keeping your distance from other people. That's not good. Send in the mail-in ballots, mail-in ballots, mail-in ballots, mail-in ballots, don't go in person. Okay, but why can you go to these parties and have fun and beat up Trump-shaped pinatas? That's okay, but it's not okay when you're going to go to church. It's not okay when you're going to stand in line to vote. That makes no sense, and my problem with that segment of society, they'll believe anything that they're told, even if it defies all logic, all reason, and all common sense. You forgot one thing that the, so I guess liberals more than anyone did during this pandemic that nobody even talks about, but they talk about locking down, like like you said, locking down at 10 p.m., locking down the churches, locking down right. any religious 
Yes, rioting. <laughs> it's okay to go riot and burn down your city, but be sure you're in the house by 10 p.m. because we don't want you to spread the virus. Yeah, it, honestly, it makes no sense whatsoever. And that's the way that it's come out. And people believe it. That's what gets me, Joe, is that people believe it no matter what. It might not make sense to you and me because we're the conservatives, but I feel like there's a a liberal agenda that's being pushed upon us by, you know, the – which, I mean, we we call them socialists at this point because that's that's what they're pushing onto us. Democracy is really in trouble, and that that brings me to the next topic. If you want me to jump to the next topic um, is – is this election has been a, a total sham, a total fraud, because what you said, the mail-in ballots were, were put in um, by the Democrats to, to, you know, make, to hopefully get Joe Biden to office. There was no voter ID. Uh, there was no verification of who was voting. And, you know, I think a record amount of dead people voted this, this election, which <laughs> is impressive that the, it's oh, happened course. during a pandemic that the a record amount of dead people voted. But, the fact that they did this mail-in votes, I'm just what I'm worried about this election is that yes, I wanted Trump to win, and I think that he's the better candidate, he's a better president than Joe Biden, who's just to me a puppet for the socialists and the left people. Um, oh, yeah. What really worries me, honestly, is not even about this. It's about future elections. It's about if we continue yeah. with this mail-in votes and without voter ID, without uh, verifying you are legally able to vote within the United States. I'm worried that. And I've I've heard it on Fox, so I'll just copy them. I've, I'm worried that we'll never see a Republican president ever again. I've heard that, and that's very possible. What's interesting to me, though, as far as this whole thing goes with the uh, with the election, is when you look at it at face value, right? You have Joe Biden, who was a low energy, or as some would say, no energy candidate, getting 12 people, seven people, five people showing up at his rallies, and then you have there, people are going to say, oh, well, it's because we were concerned about COVID. Okay. But then you have Trump with 50,000, 60,000 people showing up his rallies, and somehow Joe Biden outvotes him by like 5 million votes, which is unreal. I mean, the number is unreal. He outperformed Obama. Um, people can say whatever they want. Obama was a, was a great public speaker. Obama had, had a lot of uh, excitement, you know, especially in 2008. I mean, he had a ton of excitement. He destroyed, if I'm mistaken, he absolutely wiped the floor with McCain. That was a squash match if I've ever seen one. But when you look at the overall numbers, I mean, there was like, what, 69 or 60-something million. It was close to 70 million people voted for him. You're going to tell me that five, more, five million more people voted for Joe Biden than voted for Obama? I mean, how is that even possible when Joe Biden underperforms in all the major cities or most of the major cities of Democratic strongholds, but yet he somehow super overperforms, and I say, overperform, uh, I say underperforms in comparison to Obama or Hillary. Then in 2020, all of a sudden, he super no energy again. No energy, no excitement. He overperforms Hillary and Barack in all the major cities, in all the major swing states. That does not add up. You're telling me that in Milwaukee he outperformed Obama, in Philadelphia outperformed Obama, in Akron and Cleveland outperformed Obama. Oh, by the way, those are all major cities where they needed to win. Uh, in Detroit, he outperformed Obama, Michigan, Wisconsin, um, Ohio, you know, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, all these major towns that are Dem strongholds, Democrat strongholds, he, he got more votes than anybody else. And apparently, from what, everything I've heard, Trump got a record number of minority votes for a Republican candidate and a, a, a record number of black men voting for him. So, so how did 
Obama do worse than Joe Biden? How did and you can say whatever you want about more people being being you know registered, but the fact is that this is an election of it's Trump or not Trump. That's it. But the numbers don't make sense. They don't add up. You know, you had two days where they're just stopping counting. Uh, they stopped counting the votes at like one thirty in the morning, and they resume at four o'clock, and then boom, they've got another hundred thousand votes for Joe Biden. And people don't think that's fishy. People think that this election was fair and balanced to steal a line from Fox. What gets me is that 2016 to 2020, the 2016 election was rigged, Russian interference. And apparently the only thing they ever found with the Russian interference was the ads on Facebook. Okay, whatever. But nobody big went down over the whole Russian collusion thing, right? Four years, the election was rigged. The election was rigged. They stole the election from me. That's what Hillary was saying recently. And now all of a sudden, well, the election can't possibly be rigged. And it's absolutely correct. Why? Because it's what they wanted. It's the result that they wanted. So, I mean, you know, I know I rambled on there for a bit, but uh, give me your thoughts on that, sir. Well, I mean, you, you forgot to, one other thing that I forgot to mention, too, is that the, when the Democrats, the, the Democrats used this pandemic as an excuse for the mail-in votes. And don't forget, they were pushing a ton of people to, to vote early, vote early. So when you look at the debates that, that Trump and Biden had, it was it was a no-brainer that even if Trump won the debates, people, tons, millions of people had already voted before the first debate even took place. So they knew that Joe Biden, a weak candidate, I call him the puppet, the puppet would never have to worry about it because there was a question on the second debate. It was only one week before the election, and um, again, millions of people had voted already. They you asked. Mean the third debate? Joe, was it the third debate? I thought oh, they well, had two. Well, technically, yeah, that's right, because they canceled the second debate, so it's quote unquote the third debate, but really the second debate, so yeah. Yeah, true. Um, one, they asked one question about fracking, which I, I didn't know about fracking until I learned uh, what, what Joe Biden was, was intending. They asked about fracking, and in Pennsylvania, the oil industry is huge. So you mean to oh, tell yeah. me, you mean to tell me that they heard the answer that Joe Biden provided, was, which was saying that he wanted to end the oil industry, he wanted to be less dependent on the oil industry by 2030 or 2040, and go. Google Green with solar power, wind power, and all that crap that they think is going to actually keep the economy going. And you mean to tell me that Pennsylvania voted for Joe Biden? That, that to me, doesn't add up at all. Well, it doesn't not only that, what doesn't end up for me at all is the fact that Georgia, who has not voted for a Democrat in, in almost 30 years, and that's six elections, if I'm not mistaken, let's see, um, or maybe five. It's the second Clinton won two Bushes. Two Obamas, one Trump, six elections. You're telling me that they, they went through six cycles, and now all of a sudden they're voting for Democrats again? That yeah. thinks to high heaven, and it doesn't even make sense. But yet here we are where people are saying, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And they, 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 these, these states all miraculously swung towards Joe. It just doesn't make sense because these ballots were, you know, they use the term found, and people get upset about it. The libs get upset about it. But all, in all honesty, where did they – why did they stop counting – why did they stop counting for multi- for hours and all the states stopped counting? And then I said all the states stopped counting. It's Friday. It's been, what, it's been about 10 days, and it's still not decided. Nothing has been declared. I don't understand how the states are still counting, and it's been 10 days. And then you have I mean, honestly, states. I don't get it. Yeah. I, I don't get the whole process itself because California polls closed maybe five to ten minutes after 11 o'clock our time. And they were declaring Joe Biden has won California. Uh, they could have counted about 50 million votes that fast. So 
Even that to me right. is a question. Like I never understood that. Like New Jersey was declared maybe ten, fifteen minutes after eight o'clock our time here in the Eastern Time Zone. Um, yeah, there's a history of a Democrat winning New Jersey, but you mean to tell me that they count all the New Jersey votes in five minutes? That to me, right. things don't just add up. They don't add up at all. So yeah, it's like well, that's like the projected winner of this state, the projected winner of that state. They go based on the history of the state, but at the end of the day, it really is just randomly. Like people randomly saying, "Well, California's going to vote with 26% of the vote," and I'm not even exaggerating. Something like that. California was called for Joe Biden. Okay, um, but these other states, like North Carolina, just got called for Trump. He's been leading that state forever. He was late. when I went to bed on Tuesday night. Trump was winning um, Michigan by 500, by half a million votes, and then somehow he's like 130,000 votes in the hole now. I mean, that come on, really? That that doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense. You know. Any- the fa- the fact that this election, um, you know, now that Trump is contesting it, if you go back in time to 2000 when Gore was projected the winner to be the president of the United States back in 2000 against George Bush, uh, Jr. I'll call him Jr. Um, you know, they still went to a recount for Florida, and um, you know, obviously things were overturned. Now I'm starting to hear that even if things are, if there's evidence of voter fraud. Uh, in the states that are close within, I guess, 0.05 percentage of, um, you know, either candidate, uh, even if there's a recount, um, they're they're talking about how they're just not going to overturn these. The states are not going to they're not going to certify uh, one way or the other. Like they won't certify to Trump if it went to Biden originally. So, so what's the person going to the courts at this point? I, I that's what boggles my mind. Oh yeah, there's a lot of things that boggle my mind, and that's that's definitely one of them. There's just a lot that doesn't make sense, and a lot that, when you look at it, how is it that, you know, these states, like I said, Trump was winning big in almost every one of these states, and then all of a sudden, boom, he's losing. After after stopping counting and coming back, and oh, he's losing, he's losing. Oh, we found more votes. Oh, we found more votes. We found more votes. And you know, again, that term is something that's used, and people say we're using it loosely, but in all honesty, like the votes just appeared. You know, and people really believe that it. it's all on the up and up, which that I don't understand. How can it be on the up and up if you 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 pause the count two days in a row? Why? So you need to to sleep? You're telling yeah. me that they don't have a second shift that that for the election night this wasn't planned out. It's just there's too much about this. That's thanks to high heaven and like I said before, it's just there's nothing about this that seems like it's on the up and up. But yeah, here we are. People honestly thinking that this is real and this is okay and that Trump is just a sore loser. That's it. Yep. There's, there can be no other explanation that Trump is a sore loser. And again, the party that said that there, the 2016 election was contested and it's, it's not real and it's rigged and the Russians got involved, yet somehow, some way, they're now saying that there's no possible way there could have been any sort of interference or any sort of uh, funny business. That's a joke. That's it's all a saying. joke. And- and like I said, to me, yes, I voted for Trump. I think he's a better president than Wait, the puppet Joe Biden. You? you voted for Trump? Are you what? sure? I'm sure. I mean, I thought you were hardcore uh, anti-Trump. Yeah, right. Um, but this goes beyond um, voting for Trump or not voting for Trump. It, it, to me, it's the integrity of the election process. It's the integrity of democracy here in the United States. I feel like if if the Democrats get away with this and you know, if it was the other way around, you know that they'd be questioning it every two seconds, too. Um, the fact that they're just not talking about it, they just want to move on. 
they're 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 happy that Joe's already appointed a chief of staff. They they know something's up. They just want to get past this and just make sure that they they achieve they won and move on. But to me, it's beyond this one election. It's about future elections. And if they continue right. to do these paper mailings, then I think we're in trouble as a country. We're in trouble. I I agree. I totally agree with you, sir. We actually have a caller who would like to chime in, sir. If if that's okay, they they're listening to the show and they want to chime in on the election. Are, are you ready? This is Kelly. No, we no, sir, not even close. We have uh, Isabella joining us all the way from the great state of Tennessee. Uh, Isabella, you are live and on the air with Pure Gold. How are you doing this evening? Good. Hi, Isabella. How are you? Huh? <laughs> how are you? Good. 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 So, um, we were told by the call screener Kelly, our board off, that um, you'd like to say something about the election. Yes. My name is Isabella Gomez, and I'm running for United States president. How about that? <laughs> well, I mean, if we if we put in all the voter fraud that we did with uh, Joe Biden, there's a good possibility that you'll win that election, Bella. Even though you're not old enough to actually drive or be, um, you know, in the running, you may just win. So uh, thank you so much for calling, Bella. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. We appreciate that. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Hello. I'm sorry. We have we have another caller who's calling in. Yes. Uh, how may I help this you? This is my sister. Oh, okay. I'm Your sister is she going to be the vice president? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> um, my name's Eliana. Hi, Eliana. So, um, I wanted to say that I was I'm voting for Trump. Very good. <laughs> Well, thank you for voting for Trump. I mean, considering all, we thank you so much for calling, Eliana. Considering all of the fraud that we had here uh, in the election, why not have children also illegally vote for the president uh, nine days later? So that's that's perfect. That, that's always great when we have the younger generation, Joe, uh, getting involved and wanting to call in the show. I mean, I, this, let's be real. This show is so popular that we have children who should have been sleeping hours ago. They're somehow still awake, and they're listening to our show because they were anticipating the return of pure gold. Isn't that amazing, sir? Yeah, it's amazing. But considering Tennessee is a red state, I'm not surprised that your two calls that we had both wanted Trump to win. So it is a red state, so there's no, there's no collusion. There's no nothing. And I'd rather have children vote than the dead vote because you, you know where children stand. You just don't know where the dead oh, stand. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, you would think they'd be pro-life, but, that, but that's neither here nor there. The bottom line is that, um, and I know obviously we're joking, we have these uh, wonderful callers calling, but at the end of the day, it just seems like you said it earlier, and, and I've talked about it also, if if the Republicans don't stand up here, we may never see another Republican president, and that is a problem. You're going to have checks and balances, and that's, that's going to be an issue, so there's no way around it. I agree. I think we've exhausted the election. I, I, I'd like to move on to my next topic, if that's okay with you. I agree. I was actually yawning right now because that's how exciting the, the election topic was. But, yeah, go ahead, sir. All right, sir. On a, on a lighter note, a much lighter note, um, I, I want to say that I'd, probably my whole life, except for 1986, yeah, that's about it, 1986 oh, with this one organization, <laughs> with this one organization, it's been it's been really hard to be a Mets fan for many, many, many reasons, but probably the number one reason I would have to say is that the ownership of this team just didn't really connect well with the fan base. I just felt like the Wilpons were, not, I don't want to say they were cheap, but they fell into a Ponzi scheme, which really led them down the road to um, you know, being hamstrung with money and being able to sign free agents. So the fact that 
pinch me, I'm dreaming. The fact that the Mets were sold this past week or past two weeks um, to a billionaire worth like $14 billion, to me, is just a, again, pinch me, I'm dreaming. I'm a Mets fan, and now I have an owner that is worth more than any other owner in Major League Baseball. It's just surreal to me. I mean, what are your initial thoughts when you found out that the the sale went through? Well, my, I mean, I was expecting it to go through, but I, I, what I thought was interesting about the whole thing is that uh, Steve Cohen tried to buy the team, and then they had that ridiculous nonsense about Jeff Wilpon being involved for at least five years, and then Steve pulled out. And then once again, the, the team is up for sale, and you have, you know, J-Lo and A-Rod and all these other different suitors, and then Steve ends up winning again. I mean, obviously the guy's filthy rich, which is great, but, you know, you heard the press conference. Lifelong Mets fan, uh, just loves – everything about the Mets. And I think as a, as a fan, I would say that is, um, that's the part that's the most exciting, but sir, I think it's time we take a quick break before we continue with the Mets talk. Um, let's hear some, uh, I would say we, we need to hear some, uh, some oldies, but, uh, but goodies, sir. Hey, this is Morgan Willard, Miss Oklahoma, USA 2010. And you're listening to pure gold. Hi, this is Lauren Lester, and you are listening to Pure Gold. I'm Lisa Mateo of the Pix11 Morning News in New York, and you're listening to Pure Gold. We have an old one here, sir. Joe in Wallington. What's up, Joe? <laughs> hey, Mike. And one of my old What's up, favorites? guys? This is actress Jen Lilly telling you to tune in to Pure Gold Radio. Pure Gold brings you amazing guests, awesome interviews, and great talk radio every week. Check them out at puregoldpg.com. Oh, the good days. It's funny because I saw Jen um, on a movie there, and every single time I see her in a movie, because my wife and I watch Hallmark Ad Nauseam, um, I always say, ah, oh, Jen Lilly, she was on my show. I always have to mention the fact that Jen was on her show, but uh, I just wanted to take a quick pause, sir, um, just so that we can talk about, you know, we were talking about Steve Cohen before. But to me, it's exciting. It's the dawn of a new day. Um, yes, it is. I want to see what happens going forward because right now, to me, the Mets no longer have that Wilpon stink on them. And the Mets, even if they don't do a lot this offseason, the Mets can actually be players again in the offseason, which is mind-blowing. You're not expecting them to go after the bargain basement people anymore. I mean, that, that alone, to me as a fan, is exciting. Yep, it's exciting. I, I, I think that he mentioned in his press conference a couple of days ago that he wants to win a championship within three to five years, and if not, it's going to be a disappointment. Yes. I'm going to be honest with you. I think they need to win a championship within the first one from now from now till 2023, 24, like two to three years from now. I think they need to cash in on the fact that they have a two-time Cy Young Award winner in Jacob deGrom, and you, know, you don't want to waste those years away. The guy's pretty dominant last couple of years you you really want to build around him make sure that they get at least a title hopefully get to the world series and contend for a title but when you have somebody like jacob Degrom, you don't want to waste him sir you don't want to wait three to five years when the guy is <laughs> past his prime i i understand that but honestly if you're, if you're expecting them to just show up basically you're expecting steve cohen to just show up and deliver a title that's probably not going to happen i mean you're right that you don't want to waste the good years that you have left of the ground. But in all honesty, I mean, the Mets have a lot of work to do. Like my dad and I were talking, Angel from Woodland Park, uh, excuse me, we were yep. talking, keep it professional. We were talking about it and we were saying how, you know, the Mets have a lot of holes and we don't expect them to win this year. Like, I, I definitely don't expect them to win. 
I'd like them to win eventually, but I just don't think it's realistic to say in, in a couple of years just because we haven't seen anything that they've done. They haven't made any moves yet, and all honestly, they don't even have a complete starting rotation, sir. And the Yankees are, I mean, to your point, the Yankees are probably proof positive that you could have the best team during the regular season and still come up short in the postseason. Um, granted, this year was a little different in the playoff format because they had three rounds versus or four rounds versus three rounds normally. But the Yankees, I thought, were easily going to make the World Series and play the Dodgers, which it was the Dodgers, but it was the Dodgers versus Tampa Bay. And, um, yeah, to your point, um, you can't expect them to um, just go from nobodies or just pretenders to contenders. But um, I just have that confidence now. Like, I don't think I've ever had as a Mets fan. Like, think about this, sir. We have an open checkbook if we wanted. If Steve Cohen wanted to go after somebody – we would never be hamstrung and say we can't afford him because we just don't have that money or the Wilpons don't have that money. Now it's like, do we want him? Do we think we should get him? I think it's a whole new ball game with as being as a Mets fan. Shame on you! <laughs> right. Jets go to hell! Jets go to hell. <laughs> Wait, sir, I, what I'd like to know is this, and after everything you just started... Oh, uh, is that all? <laughs> is that all? Um, honestly, I get what you're saying, and I agree with you. I just want to see what moves they make. But I think the bottom line is that it's an exciting time to be a Mets fan, and the Mets are in a position we've never seen them in, really, where, again, they're not going to be a laughing stock under Steve Cohen. That's that's what it boils down to for me. As a fan, above all else, they they have – the Mets are in – they're in talks. You know, they're, they're, they're mm-hmm. in the, in the uh, scenario – they're in the conversation, and the Mets have not been in the conversation for a very, very long time, sir. Very long time. And I, I, and I hope that, you know, Steve Cohen is the type of owner that does trust his – I know you're not high on Sandy Olsen, but he does trust his, um, you know, his front, front office, and hopefully they build a team that will at least contend or be in the playoffs um, almost every other year or every year like the Yankees are. Um, I just I – just, the one crapshoot that you have, and I feel like in baseball, is that you could build a great lineup, you could build a great starting pitching, but it feels like uh, the the bullpen is always a crapshoot. Like you never, like even the Yankees have the best bullpen the last couple of years, and I felt like they still came up short because Tampa Bay had a bullpen that was just slightly better than theirs. So that's the one thing that I feel um, what makes baseball uh, difficult to win is that that bullpen, which you need to rely on in the playoffs. Um, it's just a crapshoot. Like you never know if your if your if your bullpen's going to be great one year and then not great the next year. I agree with that. But when you've got like what the, that horrible move, Ace is going to go down as one of the, one of the worst moves in baseball history and possibly the oh, yeah. worst move other than Tom Seaver. You already know where I'm yeah. going. I mean, yeah. they were they made that awful trade specifically because they thought that they were going to get Robbie Cano. Uh, sorry, Edwin Diaz for the bullpen. You know, Cano was kind of thrown with that asinine. Ask backwards contract of his, but look at how look at what an absolute disaster that has been, and you just don't know. But really, the way that things panned out, it should have never panned out in such a such a terrible way. Because how would anybody have ever known, sir? How would yeah. anybody have known that um, things were going to turn out the way that they did? And they they've turned out so poorly. This move, you know, with Cano and everything, and with that horrible contract of his, I just want and I hope that the Mets are somehow able 
to get rid of him and move forward. I agree. And <laughs> I know we've talked off the air, but, you know, if you want to make the Mets not a laughing stock anymore, which they're not, obviously, but there's a, every July 1st, uh, Bobby Bonilla gets $1 million from the New York Mets organization. I just feel like if they could work out some kind of deal and just pay him off and don't worry about Bobby Bonilla Day, because I think he's get, he gets paid a million dollars for next, I think for another eight years. <laughs> you don't like Bobby Bonilla? I know, I know. So sorry, sir. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> you you didn't watch any of the World Series, correct? Do you hear? Did you hear what happened in Game watch, Six of the World Series? Sir, I didn't watch any of the baseball season. Okay. I was so disgusted with all the you know protesting and the Black Lives Matter and everything going on as far as professional sports goes, and people telling us what to do and what to think and everything else. Um, I just I didn't watch it. So no, what happened in Game Six of the World Series? I'm assuming it was played. Yeah, Game 6 of the World Series, it was the Tampa Bay Rays against the L.A. Dodgers, and the L.A. Dodgers were up 3-2 in the series. Tampa Bay had their starting pitcher, their ace, Chris Snell, on the mound, pitching a one-hit or two-hit shutout through six innings, and he wasn't even in danger in the sixth or seventh inning, and Kevin Cash, the manager of the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, took him out, put in the bullpen, and the L.A. Dodgers were able to scratch through three runs, and they won the World Series. They won that game 3-2, and they won the World Series. My question to you, and, you know, he'll live with this for the next offseason and for years to come if they never make it back to the World Series again and win it, is that can you compare what Chris Snell being pulled in the sixth inning pitching a one-hit or two-hit shutout being dominant against the Dodgers being pulled would you compare that? Would you, do you think Kevin Cash was thinking? May he wasn't thinking about this, but I was thinking about this. Do you remember um, Matt Harvey in 2015? Oh yeah. He pretty much Absolutely. convinced. He pretty much convinced Terry Collins that he was okay to pitch in the ninth inning. Big bada bing, bada boom. Can say wins that game. He's you know he's not taken out when he, he's supposed to be taken out. Do you, do you trust your ace pitcher, Chris Snell, to stay in there, or do you think he should have been pulled? Um, I honestly, I think you got to trust your ace in these situations, but you know, it, it's like anything. If it works, you're a genius. And if it doesn't work, yeah. you're a complete moron. It's, it's just the way that it is, sir. Agreed. Yeah. You know, for, for some reason, the printer in the office here is going off. That's, that's fascinating. <laughs> I'm faxing something to you. Um, this leads me to my, <coughs> my last topic of the day, if that's okay with you. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's funny how things come full circle. As I need a drink for some reason, I was like, <coughs> "That's just me." Um, it's funny how things come full circle, especially at you know. I, I know you don't live in the area anymore, but I still listen to a certain station called WFAN, and it's amazing how one one man can set off a chain of events that really is crazy. So you had Craig Carton that was on the number one radio talk show, morning talk show, with Boomer Sison. Their ratings were through the roof. They were making money. Uh, but Carton, you know, being the selfish um, idiot that he is, was gambling and was spending people's money left and right, got into debt, and then, you know, a chain of events happened, and he was stealing people's money to make bets, to place, to you know, to repay people, we repay bookies. So the chain of events happens. He gets fired. He goes to jail. 
Mike Francesa, I think, retired two or three times in between that time, between 2017 and now. And come full circle, we have a certain Joe Beningo who, again, might be past his prime, but, again, he, he to me, he's the everything. Stop smoking the weed, Johnson! Quick, pipe! Exactly. Joe Beningo retires or is forced to retire, and Craig Hart is back now. <laughs> Give me your thoughts. Uh, Joe, uh, first time, long time. Uh, I'd like to know, Joe, uh, um, how many of the WFN interns were, <laughs> were over oh, your house? I know we joked about that, and I'm not going to get into that now, but the fact that Joe had all those allegations against him and it was kind of just swept under the rug, it's pretty fascinating to me. But, I mean, to me, I, I think Joe should have retired a long time ago. I think he's a shell of what he was. I mean, you know, good for him. He was able to kind of live out his – I mean, obviously, definitely maybe – live on his dream um, in a way that most of us only wish that we can do. 25 years, a long time career in radio, especially for a guy who, to me, like I said, he was kind of just a caricature of himself for a long time. I mean, you know, you know how I feel about Evan and Joe, Joe and Evan, WFN Sports Radio. I just think that um, I'm curious to see what happens with Craig and Evan, because that's not the pairing that I would have ever imagined, but you know, we will see, uh, we will see what happens. I just think that, I don't know. I think it was time for Joe to go. And um, honestly, when you look at the overall overarching picture of what the overarching picture of what you know the station is, it's just not what it was. And I feel like it's it's a shadow of its former self. And I don't know if it's ever going to get back to that point. You know? Yeah, I understand what you're saying about for, uh, shadow of its former self. But when I th- when I try to listen to other radio stations, other sports radio stations like ESPN, I think that's the only one I could think of off the top of my head. But I just don't get juiced and listen to Michael K. Maybe because he's a Yankee fan, because he's a Yankee announcer. But I still listen to fan because you know Boomer at first to me you know was not credible, wasn't a a really good uh, morning talk show. I think Craig carried that show. Now you put him with Gio uh, Giannotti, who. You know, Giannotti was on our show. Uh, I listened to that maybe a year ago. You know, you re- realize that Giannotti was on our show, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I always yeah, liked so, Giannotti. I don't know what happened with him and Mike and that falling out that they had, but I absolutely always liked uh, Greg. <laughs> Mike had a falling out with everyone, if you think about it. He didn't like Carter. That is a good point. <laughs> you did get that right. <laughs> he didn't like, I think the only people he really liked was JJ and maybe Evan. Uh, but everyone else he pretty much hated. He hated Boomer. He hated Carton. Um, he he takes credit for finding Joe Beningo for some reason or not. I guess he got him the gig overnight when he first started. Um, and speaking of Joe, I just, I'll just i touch on Joe before we go to my bonus topic because uh, I want to talk about one last bonus topic. Um, I used to, you know, after every Met game, mostly every Jet game, I would wait or I would go to sleep at 11 o'clock after, um, you know, when I went to bed, and I would try to set my alarm for 1 o'clock in the morning because, um, to me, Joe Beningo was the fan that spoke for all of us. So whenever there was a, either a really important Jets win, which is rare, but whenever there was a really Jets, a bad Jets loss or the Jets were falling apart, um, I actually had to tune in, just like I'd like to tune in to Mike and Chris to listen to them at 1 o'clock. I used to tune in to Joe Beningo overnight and listen to what Joe had to say because I felt – his take was everyone's take. So um, a credit to Joe, who, again, like you said, lived out his dream, but also oh, yeah. to me was really important in just listening to his take, especially because he was a Mets and Jets fan, which I am too. Oh, you're a Mets I never – you're a Jets fan also. I never never realized that. <laughs> For real? 
You have uh, many clips over there to, that prove that I am one. So. Well, you screaming and yelling and going crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I do have a bonus topic if you want to end with that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think you're going to be fascinated with this one. Do you realize that it was November? It seems like it's always November that we either do a uh, show or, or something happens, but November was really important in Pure Gold history because it was probably when we were first starting with the show, we actually did a video in your apartment to talk about Survivor Series. Yes, that's absolutely right. We did. That's how <laughs> yep. the whole thing started. And That's uh, how the whole thing started, yes. You realize that um, we are less than a month away from the actual 10-year anniversary of this show. It's sometime in December, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, <laughs> what a loser. I love how you don't even know. This is the most important day in the history of Pure Gold, and you don't even know. That is unbelievable. December I mean, this 10th? year has been, a, has, has been a disaster. Yeah, December 10th. Although I think December 10th is when we started. The, we didn't actually start airing shows until afterwards. But for all intents and purposes, December 10th is our uh, anniversary. Now, if I go back and look, we're going to have the – Kelly, get a move on. Get the board ops. Let's, let's go. Let's get this going. We're going to look and see when the actual first episode of the show aired. And, by the way, today is our 214th episode. I don't know how it took 10 years to get to 214 episodes. But, but Happy Valentine's Day, 214. Do. Oh, yeah. So while while I was gonna say while Kay looks up that information that you, that useless information that we need uh, for the show, can you just uh, let me know and let the audience know where I can find some shows to listen to again? Because I you know the website is gone forever, I guess. Right. Uh, where can I the find 16th, these shows? Sir. December the sixteenth, December sixteenth was the first episode that we ever did. Um, okay. It was a, a first year go show right before a TLC pay per view, which is interesting. But anyway. Um, you can go to blogtalkradio.com. You can look us up, you know, Pure Gold, PG, we're there. And um, that's pretty much all you have to do. Now, if I go to blogtalkradio.com uh, forward slash, let me see, Pure Gold, PG, let's see what comes up. Uh, yeah, you'll, it'll go straight to our website, and it'll tell you all the latest episodes and on demand and all that. Oh, good. Um, good. It's just crazy to me. Two hundred and forty. We could be on episode like 5,000 by now. But for some yeah. reason, we decided to stop doing the show, and that's pretty much all we've done. You know, we have, we've we've stopped the show so many times, and we've stopped doing it, and we've just been, uh, I don't know, we've just been going crazy. And, and for whatever reason, it's just we have not been able to get in sync and to do the show on a regular basis. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if uh, I always extend the olive branch to you, if you ever want to do the show once a week, I would be more than happy to. If it's Fridays, then so be it. It'll be Fridays. But um, whatever day work, work for you would work for me. Um, but back to my point on my last uh, topic was that, so Survivor Series, it seems like we always uh, are in sync with Survivor Series. And I think that, you know, we don't have to get into it. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to talk about if we want to open the, the can of wrestling. But to me, I mean, let's just pretend or assume that uh, the audience knows what's been going on. I think that the Survivor Series, they missed an opportunity. First of all, they missed an opportunity with Retribution because they made it into a, like legitimate wrestlers instead of like a faction that was trying to take over the company. They could have right. easily done. They could have easily done four teams and see who wins supremacy uh, in the WWE. You could have like Retribution versus NXT versus Raw versus SmackDown, and I, I think they dropped the ball on that one. Um, 
Do you think that's that's too much fantasy booking, or do you think that's a good idea? Um, I think that it's a good idea in theory, but honestly, NXT isn't even a part of Survivor Series this year, and they obviously butchered Retribution. I mean, it was a bad idea from the beginning, so I just, I don't know. I've, I haven't really paid attention to wrestling, and I've been kind of out of it, and there's just so many... So many things that just turn me off about it. It's hard for me to even get excited, in all honesty. Okay. Well, if you want to talk to, about the current product, let's talk about the fact that, and it's amazing how time flies, but 30 years ago was the debut of a certain phenom known as The Undertaker, and he will be celebrating 30 years. Um, exactly, to the date. Exactly to the that's, date. That's the craziest is, part. Yeah. So tell me, I mean, we. we I, I felt like, Undertaker's retirement has been just like Mike Francesa's, you know? Like he comes back, he retires, he comes back, he's retired, he doesn't come he doesn't come to WrestleMania, he will come to WrestleMania. Um it's all it's all mismosh, to be honest with you. I think they butchered the way they, they're sending him out, but now they decide that they want to send him out at the pay per view that he started with, which was nineteen ninety, um, like you said to the day. I actually remember he was part of the million dollar man's team. And he was a special. Yep. Um, he was he was a mystery uh, wrestler, a guest. Um, like they didn't know him until he introduced him. I remember he was the lone survivor, uh, I believe, of that match, that first match back in 1990. Did you watch that match? Um, I don't think that I was watching at the time, simply because when Hogan lost the title that yeah. same year at WrestleMania six, the Ultimate Warrior. I was honestly so devastated that I stopped watching wrestling for for a while. So I mean, I, I do remember the Undertaker. When he came out, so I, my memory's a little fuzzy, but to me, I've never been a fan of The Undertaker. I mean, obviously, he's had an amazing career. It's really, the last 10 years or so, he's just been a shell of himself. But, man, he, it's been quite a run in 30 years to the day. That is pretty awesome. And I'm happy for him, and I hope that he, you know, can live out his life and have a good time and, you know, do well. But, I mean, there's so many fans who are rabid Undertaker fans that just, I mean, this is a special day. I think it's weird. I, it, it totally makes sense that if you did 30th anniversary, you know, to the date and everything, that you can't pass that up. But it just seems like it's kind of coming out of nowhere. And uh, I guess the last ride documentary, they kind of floated it out there about him retiring. So I think this is it officially. So I guess we'll never see him wrestle again or in another match or anything like that. And what's a shame? I mean, we, met, we, we always talk about fantasy matches like, you know, Stone Cold versus Hulk Hogan. But you always wonder what would have happened if you would have had – two or three years ago, maybe four years ago, with The Undertaker taking on Sting, or maybe, I don't even know if The Fiend Bray Wyatt would have been a match that I would have really been excited to see, but I think they really missed the boat on, I don't know if it was politics behind backstage or they didn't want to do it because they didn't know who was going to win, but I would have liked to have seen Sting versus The Undertaker at a WrestleMania, but that never happened. Yeah, no, it never happened. And I think you would have had to have gone back further, but... Whenever Sting first, Sting first came over, that should have been the match they built to. And, you know, you could have Taker go over. That's fine. But, um, you know, it, obviously that's it's never going to happen. And this year you had that Boneyard match with uh, Taker and AJ, which is actually a lot more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, but it should be, you know, it, it, it'll be interesting. Like I said, I mean, the Taker's a legend. You can't take that away from him. He's probably, I would say, top ten all time, you know, if, if you were being objective. As far as big men, he's number one. I don't even – it's not even – to me, it's not even a debate. As great a career as Andre had, I don't think you can compare it to the career that The Undertaker has had in the WWE. So, to me, he's number one, you know, by a country mile as far as the greatest big man ever to set, set foot uh, in a wrestling ring. And I, I, I think that the only thing that is probably a negative, you know, we're in a pandemic, obviously. Fans haven't been to the arena right. since, since February. Is that there's not going to be any fans. It's not gonna be, you're not going to get that true pop. 
um, you know, saying goodbye to The Undertaker, which is kind of bittersweet. That is true. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I would say that is really the problem. I, I would say that that's definitely the problem with the whole situation. The real negative is that, I mean, he deserves it. He deserves a huge pop, but he's going out on his own terms, and I guess you never know when, you know, anything's going to come back. So, I mean, it is what it is. We just kind of have to roll with the punches, sir. But, uh, you know, I, I got to tell you, after 18 months, I mean, we uh, we did not skip a beat. I mean, this is this is pure gold at its finest, rambling, going from topic to topic to topic. We had callers. I mean, it's just it was just typical PG all over the place, sir. I agree, and I apologize for not taking breaks. I didn't think you wanted to take breaks, but I actually think a show is much better when you do it in segments, and um, I'm glad that you oh, broke yeah. it up into a segment, at least one segment. We shouldn't ramble the whole hour, so I agree with you. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah, I mean, we'll definitely we'll definitely talk, and we'll see what we can do, and we'll see how we can kind of, you know, figure things out and, and navigate. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to talk about with, you know, in regards to wrestling especially. You yeah. know, uh, you and I talked about this privately, but Zelina Vega got released today, which surprised me, but I think it's, it has nothing to do with her talents or lack thereof, or, you know, however you right. look at her. But it's right. solely because of this whole Twitch situation with the WWE and not wanting them to have third-party you know, cameos and making money off that. And it's, it's a whole big mess. And, you know, we can get into that another day. But, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world of wrestling um, with AEW and all that. So what's crazy is we have not done a single show since AEW debuted. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first show that we've done since AEW started over a year ago. That is insane, sir. I'll, but, just, um, I'll, just, I'll just say one thing about AEW before you wrap it up. I'll just, and I want to thank all the I want to thank all the callers. Couldn't do it without you. <laughs> oh, of course. And uh, Kelly for you know Kelly the board up uh, always there. And the British lady's always been uh, on our side, had our backs no matter what. Always. But I will say one last thing about AEW is that I thought by now they would have actually been more legit. I feel like they're still second rate to WWE. Um, somebody with an owner like Khan that has tons of money. Um, could have really made the show more competitive, I feel. But um, I feel like they're second rate, and now they're stuck at second rate. I don't think they'll ever beat WWE in the ratings. Well, I think the fact that they, they've they beaten NXT, but, you know, that's a yeah. third-rate show. I mean, right. Right. I don't know. I want them to succeed, so I'm not knocking it. I do want them to succeed, and I'm happy that they're an alternative. But, I mean, Beating the third-rate show, I don't think that's anything to be proud of me personally. That's like beating a double-A ball club and you're a baseball, you're a major league baseball team. Like, okay, that's what you're expected to do. Show me something that actually matters. Yep. As always, Dave, you've made the show pure gold. Thank you for tonight. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, of course. And, uh, folks, you know, check us out. Um, hopefully we'll have a show pretty soon. Maybe next week. Who knows? Maybe we could, like Joe was saying, we can get into that kind of the swing of things. I mean, I would like yep. to do more shows. It was definitely yep. fun. Uh, I love having callers, like you said, can't do it without you. I mean, everybody right. behind the glass, we're just absolutely just, you know, flabbergasted, sir. Just totally flabbergasted. Uh, thanks again, folks. And, uh, sir, I will talk to you soon. You got it. Woo! What's the name of your show? show? Uh, pure Gold. Pure Gold? Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> Gold. Hallelujah. You guys are very nice. <laughs> you guys are awesome. <laughs> yes, we are, Nikki. <laughs> uh, have a good night, folks. Woo! Good night, folks. Bye. See ya.